Being disabled or having a chronic illness can feel like you're moving forward in reverse. I'm your host, Scott Martin. Join me and my new friends from this underrepresented community as we talk about disrupting the status quo and creating change within the world and within ourselves. Hey, life's a road trip. Hop in. Let's turn on some tunes and go. In the passenger seat and managing the radio for our road trip today is Sean Butcher. Sean is the editor of the award-winning Challenge magazine, a columnist for the Frederick News Post, communications manager and editorial director of Move United magazine, and he hosts the Move United podcast called Redefining Disability. Wait, I'm not done. Sean has spent over 20 years in the nonprofit sector in various capacities and leadership positions. He has written for various publications, including the Frederick News Post, Eastern Home and Travel Magazine, and is a member of the National Press Club. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Sean. How you doing, man? Thanks. I appreciate that, Scott. That was a lot a lot more than I anticipated. <laughs> you, you've got a lot going on, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, do a podcast with uh, little old me, who's just getting things, trying to get off, off the off the map here. Um, now, one of the things that I found out when I was reading into you is you are a quote, occasional actor and have appeared on Netflix's House of Cards, HBO's Veep, AMC's Making of the Mob, as well as several voice and stage performances. Please fill us in on what all this is and including some of the uh, behind the, the scenes stuff. How did you get into this and how do you get these gigs? No, I think, um, you know, I can speak equally about arts and sports. I think arts and sports have a, a, a such an impactful uh, part of our lives. And I was fortunate to be involved with both early on growing up, uh, you know, part of a creative part of me wanted to participate in the arts and and then just the, the competition part of me wanted to participate in sports. So I did a lot of acting and singing just growing up in general and then. Um, and so some, you know, uh, obviously like stage plays and, and musicals and, and things. And, uh, and then, you know, living where I live in Maryland, have had the opportunity to, um, you know, occasionally get, uh, notices that, that folks were looking for background uh, actors and background work. So I thought, you know, this would be fun. Uh, this would be something that, I, that I'd like to just, again, kind of draw from my creative side. So, uh, House of Cards was actually my first, um, that I uh, submitted for and was in, uh, you know, obviously background is just that, right? You're in the background. You mm -hmm. don't have a major role. I have never had a, a speaking role in anything that I've done. Um, but for at least two seasons or parts of two seasons of House of Cards, I played an FBI agent. It was a, oh, <laughs> essentially wow. a, a recurring <laughs> role, right? Because it was, it was uh -huh. uh, uh, the same kind of... Uh, storyline that they were wanting to tell that they they kept uh, a few of us that were you know originally started out as on, on that particular scene and um and then just kept us you know kind of coming back a couple of times so i was on seasons four and five again background is you know you if you blink you miss me so i always tell mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I, tell, I tell folks that all the time but um, there come, there, there come. yeah exactly exactly you got to pause and and like and, and hit and hit uh hit pause so that you can actually see that oh okay. that is you you know that is you 
but it's it's a, it's just a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun to kind of uh, again tap into creative side, play you know play a different role, um, and just kind of be part of you know part of that that industry, if you will. And and, and it's exciting and fun. Um, so that was my first House of Cards. I, I, I had um, I was in a scene on HBO's Veep, but literally you would have to squint to look for me. I, it was a big kind of campaign rally, um, uh, you know, for uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, uh, you know, running mm-hmm. for, for re-election. And, uh, and, and so I'm like in the crowd of like a hundreds, literally. Um, okay. And then some of the other kind of more exciting, uh, House Cards was definitely exciting, but, but um, the, the one that I particularly enjoyed was a- AMC's Making of the Mob. It was kind of a, a mini series that was obviously, you know, kind of what they call, you know, like part docu- part documentary, part kind of acting. So I played a number of little roles in that. Again, you could see me in a, in a uh, you could see me as a kind of a, a juror in a, in a legal scene. You could see me uh, walking the halls with Thomas Dewey, you know, who was mm. the governor of New York, kind of mm-hmm. trying to, trying to uh, uh, put a, put a stop to organized crime, a number of little fun scenes. Like, and, and all of those were fun because, you know, it's different, it's, uh, you know, different uh, attires and different wardrobes and different, you know, background, you know, kind of background environmental scenes. So it was like a lot of fun. So I've done a couple of things uh, since the pandemic. I actually have been kind of getting, having an itch to try to do something again, never something I wanted to do full time, but uh, it's kind of a nice little quote unquote hobby, if you will. So yeah, when you, when, once you get your foot in the door, probably people, you know, might, might be able to come around and, and, and grab you again. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Let's talk about move United. And I've been looking forward to this interview for a while. You're our fifth guest. And um, my background is in it in sport and athletics and soccer and being able to, well, being an amputee, I, when I realized that I was, uh, no longer going to be playing, it hurt. Mm. Um, and so therefore I have a major soft spot in my heart for anyone that's into athletics and move United uses sport to push what's possible. So everyone, regardless of ability has equal access to sports and recreation in their community. Um, I also found out that uh, Move United is affiliated with the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. And I remember back late 60s, Eunice Kennedy Shriver mm-hmm. was the founder of uh, uh, U.S. Olympic and uh, uh, Paralympic Committee. Um, so tell us about Move United. Just go ahead and and dig into that for us, please. Some of the history, what you do, anything yeah. in that order. Absolutely, and hopefully I won't bore you. Um, but I'll I'll try to try, try to be brief. So, I mean, folks don't realize that this movement's been around a while, uh, and that we were, you know, uh, very involved from the very from the very beginning. Uh, you know, most folks think of adaptive sports starting with uh, wounded World War II veterans, and mm-hmm. so the sport of wheelchair basketball, you know, uh, was kind of started uh, to just get uh, wounded, vet- wounded World War II veterans, of, um, and you know, active and, and and staying active and healthy and and fit and just benefiting from the from everything that sport you know can provide you, you know, both physically and mentally and emotionally and socially. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, that that's kind of where folks think it, it's kind of started from a, an adaptive perspective, uh, but. Then then there were folks that were like, well, what about other populations besides, you know, veterans and what about other sports? And so, you know, uh, Move United now is a compilation of a couple of different organizations that it went through a couple of different name changes over the, over the years. But essentially we've been around for over, over 65 years. Um, and, 
uh, you know, uh, started you know, again with just a couple of sports in a couple of places and have grown to re- really this national movement. We, uh, we have over, we have 210 member organizations and these are local organizations where people can actually participate. So, um, kind of our model is as the umbrella organization or as the national you know leader in, in this space is to support, uh, so we play a kind of a capacity building, capacity building and support role mm-hmm. to these 210 more member organizations. <clears throat> Excuse me. They all go by different names. <clears throat> and right now we're in 45 different states serving about 120,000 120, people, both youth and adults. Because I often get that question too, Scott, is, is it just for kids or is it just for adults? And most of our pro- programs uh, serve both. Now, I've been receiving the magazine in the mail for years now. And it's free, correct? Yes, mm-hmm. it is a free yeah. service that we provide. That's part of the part of our um, interest and desire to get you know the, to spread the word that you can participate in sport and and how basically how to do it, where to do it, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Of course, it you know like I just mentioned, I received the magazine in the mail uh, quarterly, I believe it is, and you also of course are online. And I would just want to mention to listeners that on the. Uh, uh, Life's a Road Tip website, of course, is going to be uh, a link to the Movie United, and people can go in there and start reading about it. How did you get started with Movie United? When when did you first approach them or get picked up by them? I've been with Movie United for six years, and uh, I was drawn to the organization, uh, one, basically, again, because I knew how sports uh, was, how sports impacted my life. Um, you know, it gave me an outlet to, uh, to, you know, work out, you know, any frustrations or aggressions or, or to become mm-hmm. physically active, uh, to be social, um, with, with peers to, you know, uh, challenge me, uh, you know, even mentally in terms of sports that we were involved in strategy. So growing up, you know, I played, uh, baseball, I played football and played basketball. I switched, you know, from basketball uh, once I realized I was not going to make the high school team to wrestling. So I even did some high school wrestling. Uh, And so all along, um, you know, sport was always an important part of my life. And, and, and I took that, you know, desire and interest and, and joined the Army National Guard right out of high school. And, uh, and so because Movie United also has, has a huge program to work with wounded veterans, um, that, that also kind of piqued my interest. Uh, because, again, it was just a way for me to give back to fellow veterans. Um, and so that, those, that's kind of what drew me to the organization. Uh, as you mentioned in the intro, my official title is Communications Manager. Um, and we've grown... Uh, you know, to, so that we can even segment a little bit of some of the work. So I, you know, I was able to hand off some things when we when we hired a marketing manager, and um, and then uh, take on new things like the podcast that that we we we, we developed that you mentioned as well um, that you're also doing. So you know that uh, so the big responsibility I have is the magazine. Uh, it is, uh, it is published, uh, and, and printed three times a year. It's our largest communication piece. It's our way to reach people, um, all, you know, to, to the largest population. Cause we have about 40,000 subscribers. And, um, and as you mentioned, it's free. So it's a, just a free resource to encourage people to find, um, what sports they're interested in. Cause I always say that, um, you know, try as many sports as you can, because, Sometimes you might not, this is a sport that may not work for you or that you're not interested in. Um, and, and, then, but there is a sport that will, and that's what I always, and so that's, I think that the magazine plays that 
kind of a, a resource for folks is mm-hmm. in, in every issue, we, we have two feature stories on different sports and we walk the reader through, we take the reader through, um, one, how to get started in that sport. If you've never thought about it. Um, how, and then, and then ultimately like the, the equipment that you need and not really great detail about the rules and regulations. Cause that kind of stuff that you, you'll figure out once you, once you decide you want to like it, but why you'd want to play that sport and why it's fun and, and exciting. Uh, and then at the end, we always kind of lead, uh, the reader to like, do you want to do this recreationally, uh, just for fun, uh, you know, just stay, stay active and to socialize, or do you, do you want to try to, you know, just take a stab at uh, competing at, you know, at a, at a, you know, at a whatever level, uh, regional level or national level or international level. Uh, and that's where, you know, kind of, we always, we do always try to engage the national governing bodies. You mentioned we were an affiliate of the USOPC, the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. So we try to always engage the 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 national governing body of that sport to also give some insights about or an, or an, a Paralympian to give some insights about what it takes if you'd want to want to compete at the at the at the high level. Now I I was reading the uh, last edition, the Winter twenty twenty two edition. Uh, three stories in there: adaptive CrossFit, um, functional fitness for your life. Everybody dance now and para snowboarding with Rebecca Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, very much to the point, very much providing information for folks. And again, I really like your aspect of giving people a taste. So maybe they'll reach out and move forward and contact someone or spur them on to uh, uh, try something new or especially for um, folks that are uh, with limb loss, maybe get back into the swing of things and find something that they can do physically. Indeed. And that's, you know, I, when I met, um, as, as communications manager, I sometimes like will exhibit at, you know, trade shows or events and, and every now and then I'll I'll run across, well, not every now and then, probably pretty frequently. I run across folks who, you know, question whether they can play sport and, Mm -hmm. you know, this day and age, you know, there's no, you know, if you want to play sport or sports, uh, if you want to be involved in sport, there's, there's definitely an opportunity there and you just got to find that opportunity. Uh, and again, maybe it's not one sport, but it's another sport. Um, so it's not a question of if, you know, it's just a question of how, and, uh, and that's what the adaptive sports movement is really all about. I mean, the technology and the equipment has, has, has advanced significantly in even just the last 10, uh, maybe even if you really want to go out 20 years, but particularly in the last decade or so, uh, the equipment has just advanced significantly that you can, you know, you can go skiing down a mountain, you know, 60, 70 miles an hour. You can uh, swim without uh, limbs. I mean, there's just so many, so many adaptations available. And that's, you know, that's what uh, adaptive sports is all about is an adaptation. And so whatever uh, works Whatever may not work for you, there's a way to to try to figure out how to adapt it so that it does work for you. And talking about activities, I noticed in the um, winter edition, there are 23 different activities across the country that you guys list and provide information for. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, and that's through our member network. So we we want people. I mean, obviously, we live. We're all local, right? I mean, and mm-hmm. everything everything happens mm-hmm. locally. And so we want to connect people with the, the program that's closest 
to them. Uh, in some cases, there there are still adaptive sports deserts. You know, there are still places where you know uh, the the program that at least offers you know frequent activity or regular activity for you. Um, you know, you still may have to drive a, an hour or two. And and our we have a strategic plan uh, called Vision Twenty Twenty Eight, Scott. That uh, you know, we want to get within ninety percent of the population within one hour's drive, or, or within a fifty-minute drive of, of the of the ninety percent of the U.S. population. So we have a we have a, a growth model and a, and, a, and a strategy and an intent uh, to try to grow more programs so that those barriers of transportation or or mm-hmm. you know opportunities to get somewhere are at least reduced as much as possible um and but but saying that i also we created a whole online platform so that even if uh, for whatever reason if, if it's a transportation if, issue it might even be a mobility issue some folks may not be able to uh, get out of their house as much as they would like um they can go online and through our um you know move united uh, online pro- pro- platform they can uh find a number of different uh strength and conditioning classes yoga programs uh you know you name it there's a, there's a whole a program um that that's available and that's why we created we, we created that ultimately originally out, out of the pandemic and the fact that many of our programs nationally were closed down. Uh, and so now what, but then we also realized, well, okay, the pandemic was the reason that we created it, mm-hmm. but it's provided such a additional value above and beyond that. More that I'm doing this show and I'm running into people and, and we're, we're talking about things that the pandemic comes up, but there were a lot of good things that came from it and some things that we learned from, um, each other and to be able to provide opportunities for people. Yeah. It's oh, good. absolutely. Absolutely. I, I want to change gears now. We, uh, let's get into the podcast, redefining disability. And again, that sort of thing, there will be a link to that on the, um, life's a road trip website. Um, to prepare for this show, I, I listened to a, a few different episodes, but two in particular, I want to talk about January night titled, uh, choreography equals strategy. Um, it's about, uh, Connor Landius, or Lundius, excuse me. Lundius, uh, yep. Lundius. She was a dancer since age five. She danced competitively for almost a decade and continued to dance through college. At the age of 22, she was injured in a car crash and sustained a uh, L2 spinal cord injury. Uh, it's been, uh, it was then that she for, for found the Rolettes dance team and decided to keep dancing, so to speak, and her that's fantastic. Uh, since 2019, Connor's been dancing and chore- choreographing for the Roulettes, uh, who were where she also serves as a team captain. How did you come across her story? You know, um, I get uh, one. This is a, sometimes a small space and small world, as, as you probably know, and and so there's always connections or or links or opportunities um, to, to find people or reach people or meet people. And so, uh, Connor specifically, I knew of the Rolettes, um, mm-hmm. through the abilities expo. And if you're not familiar with the abilities expo, there's about, uh, six to eight of them that are held across the country and they are essentially trade shows there. It's a big convention hall full of resources, for people with varying abilities and disabilities, uh, and so if you're if you're just looking for, you know, maybe the right 
uh, chair or, um, you know, you're looking for ways to get, you know, connected to other organizations or other people with disabilities uh, uh, to just, you know, be able to network and, 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 and learn from. I mean, it's just, it's, they're, they're great events. So we're active partners with, um, with the Abilities Expo. And, uh, and so, we exhibit at, at most of them, not all of them, but um, and so I knew of the Rolettes and met the Rolettes uh, and connected with the Rolettes there, and and um, and then Connor and I connected about just hey, would you love to talk about uh, the importance of dance? And you know, people talk about you know, even just you mentioned it's a, it's also happens to be um, a topic in our most recent issue of our magazine. Um, you know, people question, you know, is, is dance a sport or is dance an art, right? So I even mm-hmm. asked yeah. that question. I, it's dance a sport and is dance an art, and and that's where the title or uh, of the uh, of the podcast episode uh, came about because you know in every sport you have strategy. So you know uh, you you call you know in basketball your team comes together and figures out a play that will get you know your team to to be able to get the, as close to the basket as possible. Uh, in football, there's strategy. I mean, in every sport their strategy and so in dance you know their choreography is their strategy they they it's it's planned it's organized um but you know and so and, but it's also so there's an artistic component to it but also a very physical component to it if you've ever seen them them dance it will definitely you know um uh result in any of the benefits of sport will like in terms of you know getting your heart rate up and and exerting you know uh, you know burning calories or or exerting you know uh, yourself a little bit and so and this, and even some also from a strength and conditioning perspective so that was a, a great conversation and I, I should back up probably a little bit so we uh, we just by telling you how we started the podcast and why we started the podcast um the podcast uh was basically in part because we were doing all of these interviews for um, this magazine, this print magazine that's been around uh, almost 30 years now. So this magazine has been around a while too. And, you know, as as anything, if you're like a, if you're on if you're a filmmaker, there's so much film that's just left on the cutting, you know, left on the or cut and left on the cutting floor, right, right, uh, and mm-hmm. and and never used. Same way with the magazine. You know, we had these wonderful conversations, uh, and only a snippet, you know, could all of that conversation could end up in a two or three page article, particularly when you're interviewing maybe three, four people for that article. So the podcast came as a result of um, you know, let there's so much more here that doesn't does just because it doesn't make it in the magazine doesn't make me make it less valuable, um, or less insightful. It just didn't fit the flow or the the way the article uh, was structured, and so that, that's the number one reason why we started uh, the podcast. The other reason we started the podcast was because the magazine is essentially in my voice. I'm the editor. I I write you know mm. essentially all the all the um all the articles except for the, 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 um, around the country, uh, section that you, you talked about, uh, that other organizations can, can submit contact for, but the, the feature pieces I typically write. So it's in my voice, even though it might have a quotation around somebody. So the opportunity for us to be able to have a platform or a way for anyone else, you know, to, for, for an athlete to be able to tell their story and their voice, I thought, I mean, that's just a, such a powerful means. And so those were the, the reasons why, you know, we started the podcast. And, and so we have, we have all these art interviews that are intended for the magazine. And then we've been able to add 
uh, add, you know, people that may not, again, because magazines are constricted by page count and, 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 and costs and stuff, we're able to interview so many other people that, you know, may not be able to fit in the magazine, but still have something to share. And so I, the, the redefining disability podcast is, is really just, I always say it's just a one-on-one conversation with me and, and either an athlete, a coach, uh, a program leader, uh, you know, uh, someone that's in the field of adaptive sports, maybe it's a, a technology, an inventor or a creator of a tech, piece of technology. Uh, and then we just talk about, you know, that their journey, their story. And I think it's just a wonderful means. And, and as you and I are talking, we're actually celebrating our hundredth podcast episode. So you I was wondering when that was coming up. <laughs> that's you're fantastic. I've, I've now been able to do a hundred and I'm, I'm in, and they're, there are just a hundred wonderful stories that have, have been able to be shared and um, I'm hoping for a hundred more. Well, I have to tell you, there was another one that stood out and it, it's, it was perfect for podcast rather than written word. And at the, it's from uh, May 31st of 22 uh, trekking 2,653 miles with a guy uh, named Sam Mattis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a graduate at U S Naval Academy, two years in Naval on San Diego, he had a motorcycle accident uh, and lost some of his limbs. Um, he had a BK, blown yep. knee amputation. It was in rehab for a month. He was worried, you know, I'm not going to be snowboarding again. But it wasn't all that long. He was back up on Vail on a board. But you interviewed him, and I thought this was really interesting. He was on his trek, uh, <laughs> and he must have stopped off and and you guys got together and did an interview when he probably called in, you know, was using his phone, but he was on the uh, Pacific crest trail, yes. uh, which goes from the Southern border of the United States up to the Northern border uh, with Canada. Um, do you remember that? I mean, it's been a little bit, anything you could fill us in on, on Sam a little bit. He was a really tough guy and he was very open with you. You were able to get him to really express his thoughts and his feelings. Yeah, you know, there's a, a lot of people with that toughness, right? One because yeah. you you have you go you, you endure so much that you have to develop a toughness, uh, mm-hmm. and then you know my any fellow uh, military veteran, you know, there's always a little bit of toughness or, or edge there that you know a nut that you're trying to crack. But Sam was a wonderful conversation, and you're right, he was probably. I mean, I'm trying to remember, he was probably one third the way in on that track. Um, and you know, like anytime you're doing like the Appalachian trail, which is where I, I, I know that trail pretty well because I actually live probably 15 miles from at least part of it. Um, le- maybe even less. Uh, and then, and then the Pacific Co- coastal trail is a big one, obviously on the West coast. Um, you know, you always are finding either little places to stop off and, you know, maybe you're, you're camping or tenting, off, you know, sometimes, but, but every now and then you want to go into like a little bit of a town that might be uh, on the trail and, you know, wash up or, or get, you know, maybe some, some warm food or whatever. And that's what, Mm. that's the, that's the case is is we, we strategize about when he would be in a safe, in a, in a decent place for us to have that conversation. And yeah, he, he's um, part of what we call our moving out of warfighters program, you know, and it's, and it's our program that, that serves wounded veterans, um, and, and so, uh, that's how we connected originally is just through that program. Uh, and then he alerted us to the fact that he was, uh, embarking on this track and, and I think was supposed to, you know, uh, be one of the first to, uh, amputees to complete it. Um, yeah. and so, uh, that's, you know, again, uh, I, you know, if someone asked me and I, I hope you don't, uh, you know, uh, if someone asked me what my favorite is, I, I can't, there's no way I could. I, I wouldn't. It. 
Yeah, yeah. I, there's no way I could say that there is a favorite, but because they're all just wonderful. And the other thing I always get, you know, particularly even from some of my interviewees is, you know, do you have, you know, uh, do you have this like very, you know, um, specific or prescribed script that you follow. And, and, you know, I do have some questions, you know, kind of in my mind, um, but it's really about the conversation. So it's wherever that Mm -hmm. conversation, you know, uh, our, our lives are a journey and so aren't our conversations. And so that's kind of how I, how I lead uh, most of those podcast interviews. So you we're starting to get into it uh, about, for example, Sam's toughness, but, maybe more than just toughness. I was going to ask you, what's the thread that ties these episodes together? What is it that makes you reach out and ask the person to do an episode with you? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a good question. There, there are a couple of things at least come to mind and I'm hoping it, it at least addresses the question a little bit, but um, you know, one, I think it's, it's so, um, therapeutic for anyone to tell their story, you know, and mm-hmm. to kind of reflect on, Good point. Uh, re- reflect on their life a little bit and their challenges and, you know, the, their, their ups and their downs. We all have ups, we all have downs. Uh, sometimes, you know, when any, when, uh, I get this every now and then that sometimes people think that, you know, a Paralympic athlete, you know, like, a like a Jessica Long, who's, you know, got, you know, 20 some, you know, medals, you know, that it's all gravy. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so you don't always hear about, uh, you don't always hear about the challenges, you know, just the daily challenges, um, or the, or the, the struggles, you know, uh, you know, that she had to overcome or anyone had to overcome, you know, early on. Uh, but you also don't hear about, you know, what it takes to get to that point, you know, the, 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 the defeats and the, and the, you know, struggles and the frustrations, uh, and all of that, that's, you know, I mean, we just, we just hear or see, Hey, this is a 20 some, uh, 20 some time gold medal or, you know, medalist, Paralympic medalist. So those are, those are always important. And then for, so from a, from the interviewee side, I always, um, think that there's value in just someone telling their story, but from mm-hmm. the listener side, I think there's always value in, in listening to someone else's story and figuring out how it applies to your life. So again, I've interacted with lots of people who don't think sports are in their cards, if you will. Uh, but if they listen to Sam or if they listen to uh, Connor and they say, you know what, you know, maybe I will give it a try. Maybe, maybe I can, maybe, or maybe I can give this a try or do this, you know, and it doesn't have to be sport. Um, you know, I mean, that's obviously what we focus on, you know, sport as a means, but also as the end. Um, but, and so that's, that's what I hope the podcast, and that's where the first person narrative comes into play. Like you can read that, but be, to, to be able to hear right. Um, right. me and, you know, Sam or Connor or anyone else that I've had the, the privilege to interview, just to hear that conversation and hear it in, the, in their voice uh, and their inflection and their emotion is, you know, there's something that hopefully will resonate with every listener. And hopefully there's something in every podcast that will, will um, but, you know, will resonate with, with every listener. And, and hopefully there's a resource in there. So like, you know, they learn that, oh, well, he, he learned about this program because that's the challenge, you know, with, with this, when we're all saturated with so much out there, but yet we can't find what we're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. 
it, that's the that's the value I think just the adaptive sports movement provides and and the resources and connections. And so sometimes people just don't know where to start. And if they can hear someone's story and and follow that path or try that approach, um, that's a that's a plus. And then the you know the only other thing I'll say is I think the real thread is really about how resilient we all are. Uh, every, you know, and I mentioned adaptive sport, you know, says it all when, because it's about adaptation, you know, every individual I've interacted with has had, had to adapt, you know, you either have to adapt to your new normal or have to adapt to a new challenge, um, or adapt to a new piece of equipment. Um, and, uh, so, so it's all about resilience and adaptation. I, I think that between the magazine uh, both in paper form and online, plus what you're doing with the podcast is a great way of introducing and providing knowledge to people about adaptive sports. So bravo. Um, I want to shift gears now and we're going to wrap up the show with the road trip roundup. So these are five questions I'm going to throw at you. Just talking to you about your experiences with road trips. So number one, <clears throat> what's your go-to fast food? Hmm. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I love pizza, so I would say, you know, when I can, when I can get pizza, um, and it doesn't have to be fast food, you know, I like, mm -hmm. I like a good, a good craft pizza or brick oven pizza, but, but I, I do like pizza. So I would say that's probably my, my go-to. So you're one of those that, uh, when you're on a road trip, doesn't necessarily mean you have to get from point A to point B and it's just about the process. Uh, or how fast you can do it. It's let's take our time and enjoy ourselves and maybe pull over and sit down and eat some za. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and on a road trip, uh, you know, that's, that's, I'm glad you asked that question because in the, in the, um, context of road trips, because I have a very, you know, kind of very specific, um, thought when I'm on a road trip. One, I don't like to do fast food, um, mm. fast, fast foods when I'm in a rush or in a hurry at mm -hmm. home you know, trying to get to, again, to just point a point B locally. But when I'm, when I'm, when I'm traveling, when I'm on a road trip, I want to enjoy something local. I want to enjoy something unique. I hate, I don't visit, you know, the, the, the chains that you see that are on every sign that you go up and down the highway. It's the same sign, regardless of whether it's exit five or exit 50. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's the local stuff. So I, I always look, look for, I specifically look for someplace unique to eat. Yeah, we all need to be taking our time during road trips and enjoy mm -hmm. listening to some tunes and pulling over and meeting the local folks. Uh, question number two, what's your dream car for a road trip? Could be something you've had, something you have, or something you would like. Oh, you know, if I could ever afford the rental fee, <laughs> I would love, love to do a convertible. Oh, <laughs> we just... We just sold our convertible bug. You could have bought it. <laughs> um, yeah. I, well, where do you live again? I live in Maryland, right outside of Washington, D.C. Oh, so when you get out into the boonies with a, with a convertible, uh, Sean, you would just love it. Yeah. You got to do it sometime is just go splurge a little bit. Well, when you're <laughs> renting out there, I'm sure that convertible prices are going to be higher, uh, but do it sometime. It's, it's fantastic. Make sure you take a baseball cap with you though. 
That's true. <laughs> you, always, yeah. you always see those different rental um, um, categories, right? And, and uh-huh. then convertible, convertible or sport or whatever, they t- you know, is always an option. But, you know, I, I typically go, you know, go the safer and cheaper route. Um, yeah, let's get the Toyota. One day, one day, maybe when I one I'm on the West Coast or something. There you go. Oh, on the <laughs> California coast. Oh, yeah. Drive up yeah. Oh, yeah. Been there. Mm-hmm. Done that. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, question number three, last cassette or CD that played while you're on a road trip? Not just tooling around town. On a road trip. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. A little bit longer. Um, you know how freaking busy you are. You probably don't yeah. go on many road trips. All right. So if if you're getting from you know, a little bit longer than just bopping from home and work. No, you know, I, that's probably pretty easy, easy to, um, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a man of a lot of interest, so I, I must be a history buff. And so mm-hmm. I can, my, my easiest answer to that question is the, the Hamilton, uh, soundtrack because, uh, for, oh. from the musical, I, I put that in, um, one, cause it's two CDs and I, and, and yes, I still put that in. So it's not nice. Okay. Uh, two, five years ago, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, my car, my vehicle still has a CD player in it. So yes, mm-hmm. I, I have put that, in, that CD in when I know I'm going to, it's two CDs when I know I'm going to be on a, a two to three hour road trip. Were you able to, uh, see Hamilton in person? I have, I've seen it, uh, I've seen it in New York and I've seen it, uh, you know, on a national tour, kind of in the DC area as well. Is it as good as people were saying it was? I, you know, again, I told you some of my early background and background has been in the arts. I, I, I love it. I mean, there's all, there's, you know, if you're a history, your history, the history aspect, yeah. If you're a history buff like me, you know, yes, there's, there, it's, it's a creative piece. So it's not, it's historical fiction. It's not. 100% 100% accurate, but the fact that it is based on history, you, you do learn some things, and hopefully you're learning the accurate, most accurate things, and just the the music and the beat and um, and mm. the on, ensemble, particularly of the original cast. Uh, yeah, I, I put that, 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 that would be my, I don't have to think about which CD I'd put in, that's the one. And I've, I've seen interviews with the, the creators on, for example, 60 Minutes and something on PBS. Those guys care. I mean, they really love uh, their productions and what they present yeah. to the audience. So that would be a great opportunity. Um, Coke or Pepsi? Um, now Pepsi, but year, years ago it was Coke. So just to kind of, I don't know what happened and when, but I literally just <laughs> switch. You know, some people say it's one or the other and that's it. Um, oh. sometimes you don't have a choice. You know, I always order a Pepsi outside and when they, you know, in a restaurant and they say, is Coke okay? Well, Coke yes, okay. you know. Yeah. It's it's the same kind of rough rough drink, but yeah, I did a, something in something at one point in time just triggered a complete switch. So it's Pepsi for me. Interesting how that could happen. Yeah. I know. Okay, let's wrap it up with what's your favorite road trip memory? You can go anywhere you want with this, Sean. You know, whatever hmm. you want to spout off about. Or I've had people that all of a sudden they haven't thought about it for years, and all of a sudden it comes out. So go ahead. So. um I mean, there's probably different, a couple of different ways that I can, uh, answer it. So I've got some weird bucket lists. Um, okay. I'll, I'll mention two. I, uh, first of all, I, ha- I have visited all 50 States, so that's already, that's done, but I have a bucket list of visiting every state capital. So that sometimes now that means I have to go, 
um, have to go back to a state, you know, or whatever to, to, to go to that, their state's capital. And reason why, I mean, I'm, I'm a, again, a, a big history and even some, somewhat, you know, I made my bachelor's degrees in political science. So, um, so I'm also a policy, you know, kind of political junkie a little bit, but I find when you go to a state capital, you learn so much about that state because inside that state capital is the art that represents the, 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 their people. It's the sculptures, you know, representing their historical figures. It's, you know, um, you know, architecture. It's, so it's architecture, history, art. There's so many components to that. So that's, that I'm working on. I might be about two thirds the way of all 50 state capitals. Uh, and then the other really weird bucket list it, uh, again, because I'm a, a history junkie, is I want to visit a site associated with every U.S. president. Um, and I only have one U.S. president left, and that's Barack Obama. When he And so when he opens up his presidential library, mm. uh, I'll be hopefully one of the first uh, uh, purchasers of the ticket. So I have visited everything from uh, and I include this, you know, the current president is always the White House and I've been to the White House. So, um, so even, you know, I've been to uh, George Washington's Mount Vernon and Donald Trump's Trump Plaza. And I, and, and so the only one I'm missing is Barack Obama. Um, and so my a trip to Chicago will be in the works and, you know, whenever that's opened up. So that's a couple, couple of things that I can t- talk about. And I love those trips. I love, you know, visiting uh, when I get to, when I get to check off a list, uh, this gratif- gratification and satisfaction of checking off another state capital and, and, and building a trip around that, you know, that's the intent or purpose behind the trip. But then what else can I do in addition to that? I want to cheat and, and uh, segue off of that one before we wrap up the show yeah. and on your website is a story regarding d-day mm. what what what's with that uh, are you talking about the um the book or the the book talk no. that i no yeah oh it's oh. it's on your website i think it maybe it's just a synopsis of something yeah uh, it is. but it's regarding d-day i mean i could tell you're caring for it and you're uh you're caring for history yeah. Um, and it, it made me think, you know, cause I've, I used to teach social studies and history. Oh, Have yeah. you ever been over to Normandy? It's also a bucket list item. Yes. You got to do it. I've been there. Um, mm-hmm. you better be ready for it emotionally. Yes. Um, my God. There are some. There are some that you definitely have to, there are some things that I've done that you have to prepare for. I mean, even just the Holocaust museum in DC yeah. is something that you have to prepare yeah. for. Oh Yes. Uh, yeah. most definitely. And, uh, you go to Normandy, the people there in the shops and the restaurants will welcome you with open arms because they still, they remember it's been passed mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. It's their heritage. So let's wrap on that. Um, I want to stay on for a couple of minutes after I hit stop, but you know, this is, let's just wrap up the show for here for folks. And, uh, yeah. you and I talk for a second. Okay. Sounds great, okay. Scott. Hang on. Thanks for listening. Check out previous episodes with new ones dropping each Tuesday. If you don't see a synopsis of this show where you're listening, visit our website at lifesaroadtrip.podbean.com for more information on this week's guest. This is your host, Scott Martin, reminding you that life's a road trip.